DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time now to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? We're doing all right. I suspect that there are some uh, BYU football fans who are still not all the way back. It's, uh, you know, it was, it was a dream season and you're undefeated. And the fact is, when you get eight, nine, ten games deep into a dream season, more often than not, it will fall apart. There are far more teams that get to eight, no, and lose than there are that finish the season undefeated. There's usually a, a bitter loss out there somewhere. And for longtime BYU fans, they can probably go back to a season, more likely than not in their childhood, but not necessarily, and say, ah, oh, I, I remember. 2001, starting 12-0, and 0, and then it fell apart. And for somebody else, it's a season, you know, under Lavelle back in the late 70s mm-hmm. or 80s. Uh, so I'm curious, when you play the game, sometimes it gives you a different perspective. What are you thinking after the first loss of the year? Yeah, uh, I guess to start, a lot of the first losses of the year were within, like, the first two games for me. Uh, so to even think about... Right, what it would be like to be eight and zero, nine and zero, right? It, it is a bit difficult, but that's that's really what you work for. Um, and you know, I think to go and to do what they've what they've been able to do this entire season is, has been extremely impressive. Um, uh, I think they've built up enough, right? Like we said over the last eight nine weeks, they they've built up enough hype. Uh, and, you know, uh, from a lot of different people and a lot of different resources that show that they are still, right, even with one loss to a very good Coastal Carolina team, an extremely good football team. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a lot. Uh, there's still a lot to look at and say, hey, this is still one of the best seasons that we've had in a very long time. And this is quite possibly one of the best uh, teams we've had in a long time. So, uh, I, I wish I had as many wins as these guys did. In this ball game the other day, they had some critical drop passes. As a receiver, could you pinpoint what are some of the reasons why passes are dropped? Yeah, I, I, a lot of that goes right to focus um, and the mental side of it. And uh, There were a good amount of balls on the ground, more balls than we've seen all season on the ground, and so uh, I think a lot has to do with the coverage. These guys uh, played a lot tighter. Um, they, you know, uh, the defensive backs were a little bit more athletic than than what we've seen in the last the last couple games. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to games like this where it is high situation and you start to feel the the pressure of everybody else around you, it's kind of difficult to stay uh, to stay as locked in. Um, but you know, if this was happening throughout the season, you could sit here and say, well, you know, the receivers just aren't very good or, right, what do you expect? It's a high-pressure situation. These guys aren't coming through. You know, I think Saturday's game was just one of those things where it wasn't the best game of the season. And unfortunately, when you're 8-0 and you don't have the best game of the season as a receiver, then you – and it's a loss, right? It feels a little different than just being – Nine no, and having over a hundred yards and no drops, right? So, of all the things that happen in the game, when you play woulda, coulda, shoulda, what's the one that really sticks with you? You'd like to go back and uh, and change it? 
Uh, I mean, I, based off that last question, I, I, I would say the drop balls. Right? There, there were a lot of plays that were kind of left on the field because of the drops um, on critical critical downs. Uh, one thing that you need to be able to do is is to be able to convert, and, and that's through catching the ball. So if there was one thing that I think could have been done, I always go first to the receivers, and, and that's uh, making sure that there's, you know, maybe not even three drop balls, but just if there's just one drop ball. If we take away two drops, we're in a lot better position throughout the entire game uh, to to get a get a win instead of right being the situation there in today with the loss. What'd you think of that Coastal Carolina play on Zach Wilson after he threw the interception, the end of the first half? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a very it's I think that's kind of the story of the year, right? In terms of that, that kind of sums up BYU's twenty twenty, which is a very very good thing. Um, is people are after you, people are out to get you, um, and you know. Uh, was any of it okay? No, absolutely not. That was some of the most ridiculous football I've ever seen in my entire life. If you feel that you need to do that, uh, and as people watch that, if that looked like, you know, oh, yes, that's what needs to be done, right, then uh, you're you're going to the extreme to try and take someone out, right? Let let your play talk. Don't, you know, let the cheap shots of, <laughs> the cheap shots of a game and trying to get someone injured, uh, don't let that be the way you win. So, uh, I mean, you saw the guys come out. I know there's a lot of talk about, well, did you know? Did they do a good enough job defending him? Did they come out and get him? And when you have your entire team from the offensive line to the linebackers to the receivers to the DBs, right, trying to come and protect your quarterback, uh, that says a lot about the QB. And and to have the entire team's trust and the entire team's, um, you know, belief that that you're a special, a special player, uh, then that kind of signals that, hey, you've, you've, you've done a lot right. When you have people coming after you like Zach Wilson had on Saturday, you've, you've done enough right. When you have as many people as there were Saturday night after that loss that were saying, finally, right, finally BYU is lost. Finally we, have to, we don't have to start, keep hearing about BYU. Right? It was like Christmas morning for 90% of the country because they didn't have to hear about BYU anymore, which – Right, uh, I think that all that does is show this team was was unbelievable and is unbelievable. And you know, Sunday dropped in the rankings, and Monday we saw three or four guys that ended up on national award watch list semifinalists. Right, with Dax as a Bolitnikov and two for Zach and one for Jake Oldroyd. I mean, a loss is a loss, but this this team is still. It's still worth uh, being top 15 out of 130 teams in the country. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us. So you worried about a letdown against San Diego State after uh, such a high and then such a crashing low? No, not at all. Definitive. Short answer right there. Definitive. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I got to admit, though, Dylan, I am a little bit. I'm... I find it fascinating. I mean, it's Collie style, and Collies are definitive. And I, but I find it fascinating that you have zero concern about that. Yeah. Uh, 
if if we go back and we look at the big mistakes that these guys have made throughout their entire careers, right? Uh, a huge tell of that would be Zach Wilson at Boise State, right? Zach should have been haunted by Boise State being at Albertson Stadium. He went in there and it was like that first game his freshman season never even happened, right? Uh, you look at, you know, Dax. Dax early on in his career, his freshman year, right? Dax probably would have played uh, a majority of the season as, you know, which he did, right? But even more so his freshman year, if he didn't have so many mental lapses his, his uh, late in the season because of one drop, right? It was like he had one drop his freshman year. Table started to turn, started to feel the pressure, right? Now to see him in his junior year where, you know, the kid is a top five receiver in the country all around, right? Uh, it just shows that all of these guys are in a position to where they can overcome something bad that's happened. They're a lot mentally, they're, they're way mentally tougher than the, the teams of, the teams of old, right? In the last five, six years of BYU. Um, so I'm actually, you know, uh, that, that's probably why I'm so definitive is because I've seen the downs and I've seen how they bounce back. Uh, I've seen how Kalani's led teams to come back in these types of situations and, you know, uh, it's, it's a much different feel than it ever, ever has been before. So why is this team uh, mentally tougher? Is it the defeats they've gone through? Is it just kind of the natural evolution of so many key players being in their third year in the program? Is it something else? Yeah, no, I think, I think it's that natural evolution of the, the key players being in the program and, and the relationships that are built and the comfort that's around them. This team knows they're phenomenal, right? This team knows they're very good. And unfortunately, they let one get away because Coastal Carolina was extremely good. Uh, and so we're not talking about a team that lost. It, it wasn't like, hey, you know, uh, let's get Coastal Carolina on the schedule for December 19th, right? And then go into San Diego State and get, and get beat by San Diego State in the last second. This was, hey, let's go in and play a top 25 team at their house with two days' notice. And then, you know, then we go play a very, in my opinion, this season, I've played San Diego State. Uh, I've played them every single year while I was at Hawaii. Uh, so I'm very familiar with San Diego State. You know, now we're saying, hey, let's play a top 25 team that's now in the top 15 because they deserve to be. We lose on the last play of the game. We didn't play our best game. Now let's go play a very subpar version of San Diego State football and let's go put it to them and do what we've done all season. So I think, I think that's a huge, a huge aspect of it. Do you think that Zach Wilson comes back or goes to the NFL after this season? Uh, I, yeah, I think you have to go to the NFL. Not in terms of the risk that you know the senior year brings. More so, you're about to get paid. And as much as you love... BYU and are grateful for BYU. The entire reason you play college football is to go play in the NFL. So I, I think you have to go. Well, Dylan, 
for all the stuff that happened, I'm still not over the fact how tight you are with Ian Book. And then I looked it up. <laughs> that high school is cranking out people left and right. They got a 49er tight end. They got an offensive coordinator. They got an NBA first-round draft pick. What is in the water at El Dorado? <laughs> Listen, we it, it's it's been uh, you you talk about a place that is very tight knit. Uh, it's a very small town. We've got you know one high school in every single town uh, in the Sacramento area, generally. And you know, El Dorado Hills has done a phenomenal job of, of getting athletes in and out. We've had very uh, the administration, right? The coaches have been very constant. We haven't had a lot of turnover. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, but we have struggled to win state titles, but we have put out a lot of professional athletes. So that's uh, something that, that we're proud of. Well, Dylan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for stopping by. We will talk to you again next week. Appreciate it. All right, DJ and PK, Kyle Woodingham with the media. Coming up next, stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Coastal Carolina was like, screw it, we're not passing. I don't care if we pass a single ball, I don't care. We're going to go out there, we're going to pound these guys. We're going to beat them up. We're going to keep the ball out of Zach Wilson's hands. And they did it. San Diego State's looking at this, probably drooling. Like, oh, now we know these guys don't like to be punched. They don't like to get their jerseys dirty. They don't like physicality and abrasiveness and ugly moments. Instead, they look for the officials to throw a flag and and try to do it for them. They look for their moms to yell from the sideline, don't treat my boy that way. So if I'm San Diego State, I'm like, all right, let's make this a street fight. Let's make it ugly. Let's muddy it up. That's how I'd look at it. Because I don't want to go and finesse with these guys because they'll score 58 on you. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, boom. You got to sell it, PK. <laughs> Boo. All right, Kyle Whittingham's coming up momentarily. We'll hear from him. Last media availability. Before they play Friday at Colorado. Well, he's here right now. Here's Kyle. Hey, opening comments. Uh, I have none. Said it all yesterday. So, uh, not sure what you want to talk about today, but fire away. We've got, uh, we got all kinds of time. So, questions. We'll go ahead with Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman and Patrick Kinahan. Go, go ahead, Trevor. So, uh, what what are the big things you guys are going to be working on as you guys are leading up for Colorado within the offense? I mean, is it a lot of the uh, short short yardage stuff, or what what are some of the things you want to work on heading into Colorado? Yeah, you always want to address the deficiencies that you had in the in the prior game and, and things you're not doing well, and so that'll be a, a point of emphasis. Uh, some weeks are points of emphasis, or the points of emphasis remain the same no matter what. You know, we pay attention to ball security, red zone. Uh, you know, certain things every week, regardless of what transpired in the game. But, but this past game, obviously, uh, short yardage was a, was a problem. Four minute offense, being able to to uh, run time off the clock uh, at the end of the game was was an issue for us. Red zone, also, we, as we've talked about, uh, was was a problematic defensively. Addressed the penalties. You know, we had uh, several penalties that. Uh, Hurt us particularly on the one drive, and so just reinforcing uh, fundamentals, techniques, what you can do, what you can't do, and 
and yeah, to answer your question, we, we do that pretty much every week. We have a standard set of things we work on from week to week to week, the core the core things that you do within the offense and defense, and then uh, anything that, that uh, happened in the prior game that was not at the par, we put special emphasis on that as well. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, followed by Patrick Kinahan. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, Nate Ritchie was just on here, and and he said that the energy in the building this week has been a little higher coming off the win. Um, would you agree that the energy has been a little better, a little higher? Yeah, and I don't think we've ever had bad energy or, or a lack of energy, but right. it's always it's always a, a, a better environment and a better feel when you've won. And... Uh, but you know, win or lose, by Tuesday or Wednesday, you got to be back to, to well, by Tuesday, really, you got to be back to uh, full go and, and ready to attack the next opponent because you can't let a loss linger and affect you for the next week. But Mondays, Mondays are really the day that uh, is uh, either a little more upbeat or not, depending on what's happened uh, the prior game. But like I said, by Tuesday, you better all be in the right frame of mind and, and ready to roll. Next, we'll go to Patrick Kinahan, followed by Ryan Kosteka, SI.com. With Ty Jordan asserting himself as the lead back, what is the uh, amount of optimum carries that you would like to see a lead back have, particularly as a freshman? Yeah, I believe he was at the very top of his workload in this past game. That was a lot of a lot of uh, carries that he had, 27 carries and uh, a catch or two. And so that would be about maxed out and, and maybe even a little bit too much for a for a freshman, although he's uh, you know, he's very uh, sturdy and, and durable. And, you know, he's proven to be that at least so far. But uh, I think that was a little bit too much of a workload, and we've got to temper that a little bit and uh, cut off you know somewhere in the I guess if you want a number, 20 to 25 touches is probably better than uh, the 25 to 30 that he had uh, last week, and and that allows to spread the ball around a little bit more to some of the other guys. We'll go next to Ryan Kosteka, SI.com, followed by Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Hey, Coach. Obviously, nothing's normal with the pandemic and everything, but usually at this point of the year, you're kind of looking ahead, you know, the Pac-12 championship game and that kind of stuff. Now you're going against the Colorado team where you're maybe the underdog. Does that change your mindset, and how do you kind of get the guys ready for that? Well, it has been a strange year, and, and nothing is normal this year, which has been a challenge and a challenge for everyone in the country. And so we're just taking them one at a time, just like we do uh, every year. You know, we never get ahead of ourselves and, and look past any opponent. Uh, Colorado's a good football team. They're 4-0. They're 4-0 for a reason. It's just not happenstance. And they've, they've played good football, and, and they got lots of uh, good things going for them. So that's our entire focus. We don't even know who we play after that, literally. You know, we, don't, <laughs> we can't look past Colorado because we don't know what, what the next uh, opponent or who the next opponent's going to be. And so all our attention, efforts, and energy is, is on the Buffaloes. And uh, that is the sense of urgency is increased week, which we do this week. So everything's happening at, a, at an accelerated pace. And our guys are doing a great job so far. Yesterday we got back on the field and had an outstanding practice. And that's not always the easiest thing to do two days after a game because that's not typical. Typically two days after a game, you're, you're in the film room and in the weight room and and then uh, you're not back on the field till Tuesday. So they did a great job of, uh, of handling that yesterday. We'll go to Josh Furlong, followed by Trevor Allen. Yeah, obviously, you want to win every single game, and, and this year is no different. Uh, but now that you're halfway through this this crazy schedule of, of you know the ups and downs with COVID and everything, does this does this season feel any different in terms of being able to 
to look at it as, you know, maybe a preparation for 2021 or, or is this just like really nice game reps that, that give you that, that opportunity to be better next year? How, how do you view it now that you're, you're a little more than halfway through it now? Yeah, I'd say all the above. Uh, it's been great to, to uh, be able to get on the field. There was a period of time we didn't know if we were going to have a season and, and to be able to get games in and play and get, get uh, reps for, uh, for our new guys has been invaluable. And I don't know if we look at it completely as like a, just a prep and a prelude into next year because obviously it, it, it has value and you're, you're playing for, to try to get into the conference championship and, and a bowl game, although those seem to be evaporating uh, every day, but but uh, the bowl games that is, I guess we lost another one yesterday. But but uh, it is different. But just to say that uh, it's like a spring ball with a scrimmage against another team every week, <laughs> getting ready for next year. That's not that's not the case. But it, it certainly is a different feel and a and a different uh, just a whole different uh, environment and, and uh, set of circumstances than than has ever before uh, happened. You know, it's all uncharted territory. Next up, Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman. Talking about the Buffs, uh, their their back had had uh, 301 yards uh, in, in their game last week, and then their their quarterback is a former safety, and you know also played quarterback, so he he's able to take some hits a little bit more and and can run. How how do you kind of prep for a quarterback like that? That and also who also has a, a back who can who can get loose? Yeah, they they got a lot going for them. Uh, the Buffaloes do, particularly on offense. And you're right, the quarterback uh, did play safety last year, although he was a quarterback prior to that. So, uh, but he's a tough guy. He's a very capable uh, runner, which always presents a problem for for a defensive coordinator. They have a strong rushing attack with with the running back, and he's uh, leading. I'm pretty sure he's leading the conference uh, in rushing. And so we've got our work cut out for us. And and every week is essentially almost every week is essentially the same. Uh, MO and starting point for our game plan is to try to figure out how we're going to stop the run, how to turn a team one-dimensional, force them to throw, and then try to get after the quarterback once you've accomplished that. So so that hasn't changed. Uh, this week is is uh, the same as most every week. There's obviously exceptions. Like I said, you play a Mike Leach team, that's it's a whole different approach. You know, you're, the run is uh, secondary, and, and you're just trying to figure out how to stop the throw game. But, but uh, we're taking our same approach and, and uh, trying to replicate their offense as best we can in practice. Uh, our scout guys do a great job of, of uh, replicating the uh, opposing offense. And, and you can't always find a great fit for, for the guys you're playing. There's not always a guy in your program that, that can uh, do a great job emulating somebody that you're going to play. Sometimes it's, it's just doing the best you can do to, to get the best look you can. But, but uh, we have our usual approach this week, and hopefully it's, uh, it's going to be good enough. We'll go back to Josh Newman, followed by Patrick Kinahan. Kyle, I understand that you're in the middle of a season still, but ha- have you given any thought to uh, what you would like to see the spring calendar look like? Obviously, 2020, you lost like three quarters of spring practice. Who knows what the world's going to look like in March and April? Have you given any thought to what you would like that to be? Yeah, we'd like it to be perfectly normal and, and you know, <laughs> get, get uh, back to the routine that we've been used to for 30 years or whatever. And uh, we know it's not going to be completely normal, at least at first, because recruiting. And that's already been uh, determined that there won't be any uh, off-campus or on-campus recruiting going on until I think April 15th was the date. And so that's going to be different. You know, the coaches, as soon as the season's over, typically we're packing our bags and hitting the road and and uh, going around the country recruiting these kids and making visits. 
uh, that won't be happening. And so the, the next thing after recruiting is spring ball. So we're hoping that spring ball can have a return to normalcy and and uh, get our 15 practices in, our spring game and everything that that uh, usually goes on. So that would be ideal if we can get back to to uh, the routine. Just a quick follow-up. In, you know, in terms of getting back to normalcy, it is December. Um, have any of your older guys, your third, fourth-year guys, obviously with the eligibility clock frozen, have any of those guys – express to you what their future plans might be in terms of coming back or even leaving? No, we've uh, not had any of those conversations. We will. Those conversations will take place, and I'm sure we'll have some guys that that uh, decide that maybe uh, they're done and, and uh, call it a career. If not, if everyone comes back, great. Uh, some guys will test the NFL waters and and uh, get get the evaluation, the underclassmen, and see, see where they stand and make those decisions uh, based on you know, an educated uh, situation and, and uh, getting the input from the right people. But uh, none of that has transpired yet. And, uh, you know, there's going to be changes uh, in the transfer rule, most likely coming up, which will put a different spin on thing. Uh, another spin, the, the portal a couple of years ago, put a different spin on things. And now it's going to become even more, uh, there'll probably be more change and, and uh, movement that uh, is going to occur, at least uh, that's that's the way it seems to be heading. So so we'll see what happens, but uh, you just got to adjust as things change and uh, try to get yourself in the best situation. We'll go back to Patrick Kinahan, followed by Ryan Costeca. Uh, you speak of how you don't know the opponent beyond Colorado. Has the conference given you any indication as to when you will know what the, when the who the opponent is, I should say? Well, I think... Uh, According to uh, our administration, we might know as early as uh, Saturday night, this coming Saturday night, at the latest, hopefully Sunday, because we got to start getting ready for somebody. But uh, as coaches, we don't pay any attention to that because we don't care at this point. It's all it's all Colorado, and we can't can't look past that, even if we knew who the opponent was. But but once this game's over with, uh, the sooner we know, the better, obviously. And uh, I suspect and hope that we'll all know by uh, no later than Sunday morning. But we'll see. Next up, Ryan Costeca, followed by Steve Bartle. You know, typically during a normal season, getting bowl eligible is huge because you get all those extra practices. Is that kind of the same thought process for you guys, you know, going into bowl season this year, potentially? Well, we'd love to become bowl eligible. That's uh, that's something that uh, is always going to be uh, part of our uh, goals and, and what we want to accomplish now. The amount of practice time you're going to have to – to prepare for bowl is going to be dramatically less than usual. I mean, here we are already at the what, 8th of December, and we won't finish the regular season until 19th of December, which everything's compressed. And so to say that uh, you're going to get an extra month of practice like you usually would in a bowl scenario, that's not going to be the case. Also, there's far less bowls, so there's going to be fewer fewer teams to get that opportunity. And so we're just uh, taking it one week at a time, like I said. But, yeah, we do hope to become uh, in a bowl situation, but – We'll just have to see uh, what happens. And meanwhile, we've got to take care of our business uh, along the way. Steve Bartle, UteZone.com. Morning, Coach. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the recruiting process this year with, with the, the loss of visits and evaluation periods. How difficult has that been? And then, conversely, how, how good do you feel about your class at the moment? Okay, well, first of all, we feel great about our class, and uh, we think that we've put together another outstanding group of young men and, and hope to get them all signed in uh, 
eight days now, a week from tomorrow, and uh, you know, we're still going to have a couple left over. And with the with the movement that uh, will most likely take place that I already talked about, you know, you want to have a couple in your pocket to uh, address needs and, and things that arise. But uh, the the real uh, casualties, I guess you could say, are the guys that really feel sorry for the, are the players. You know, the recruits themselves. They they've had to make these decisions without having a chance to go through the recruiting process and, and take visits to the various campuses and check things out firsthand. And so those guys are the guys that have really uh, taken the brunt of the of the uh, of the downside of the whole thing and and uh, feel bad for them. And who knows what's going to happen in the 22 class with with uh, the way it's set up and everything being frozen this year and the seniors not counting next year and your 85 number and, and nobody really advancing. Well, not you know, nobody is advancing a year of eligibility. And so there's going to be a log jam next year as, as things are set right now for the 22 class, as far as scholarships for the new guys, because you're going to already be at 85 because nobody advanced. And, and uh, so unless they have a solution different than what they're talking about now, the 22 class is going to be impacted in a, in a major way differently than this class, because hopefully they'll be able to take visits and so forth, but, but just the available scholarships are not going to be there. And so Everything's been thrown out of whack. I don't know if there was a, a, a perfect answer or a great way to handle it. I think everyone's handling it the best they can uh, from a NC2A administrative standpoint, but but uh, it's certainly different. But back to your original question, we love our class, and uh, it's too bad these guys, uh, the entire class of 21, wasn't able to go through the recruiting process because that's kind of a reward for uh, for all the hard work that you put in throughout your whole your whole career as a, as a player. And having the chance to get, uh, you know, wine and dine by these colleges and, and be able to uh, take your family to uh, visit campuses. And they didn't get to do that. So I feel bad for them. And then, and then just a, a quick follow-up, kind of switching gears a little bit. I wanted to ask you about Vontae Davis. He made an incredible play, you know, Saturday night, uh, dropping into coverage on that interception. How, uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on his improvement this year? He's one of the most improved players on the team, and uh, it's been a very, uh, you know, big deal for us on defense to have him play at the level he has, because he was somewhat of an unknown commodity and uh, unknown entity, I guess you could say. And we, you know, he didn't get a lot of playing time in the past few years that he's been here because of the guys that have been in front of him. But he's done a great job of, of uh, working in the off season. He added weight to his frame. He's done a great job of uh, being a student of the game and studying tape. And his play has been a big bonus for us and a big plus because, like I said, we were a little bit uh, in the dark as far as how he was going to react when he was going to be the guy. And so couldn't be more pleased with what he's done so far. Our final question will come from Josh Newman. Kyle, just back to the, you know, the mystery opponent on the 19th. Uh, you guys probably would have hosted Washington if there wasn't, you know, a TV issue with the holiday. Has there been any indication that, that this game on the 19th, you would get that home game? No indication whatsoever. Like I said, I haven't paid one bit of attention to it. Uh, I'm thankful that my AD has not pestered me with it because I wouldn't listen to him anyway right now because we got we got laser focus on the Buffaloes, and so uh, no, I don't. You know, whatever happens next week happens, and and we don't really care if we're home, away, where we play, who we play. Just just uh, tell us what the situation is, and we'll we'll uh, act react accordingly. Thank you, Kyle. Okay. All right. There's Kyle Whittingham with the media availability. 
scholarships, bowl games, the seventh game. He touched on a lot of stuff there. PK, what jumped out at you? Well, I was interested to see what he thought of the Ty Jordan workload because I thought, wow, man, for a freshman, now this kid's stocky, 200 pounds and all. But I think in, you know, 29 carries, uh, that that seemed like a lot. You know, what are they going to be able to do there? as far as maybe lightening the load because in this year doesn't matter because there's not that many games, obviously. But going forward, when we get to next year and we assume that there's a full load of games, we hope, and you know, fingers crossed and all that junk, uh, you know, are you going to spread it around a little bit more? And then I, I always say to myself when I hear the questions, Okay, here's what Kyle is going to answer. <laughs> right. We've heard so many interviews with him. We know what he's going to say. Yeah, and that laser focus, asking him anything about uh, beyond Colorado. Mm-hmm. He just. I'm glad my AD's handling it. But yeah. I did, I got to say, I was a little surprised when he took it to the Nets step. I wouldn't listen to him anyway. I was like, okay, that surprised me. <laughs> I know you want well, Mark to when this. he said it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I wonder how the conference is going to handle that for the next game, and they got to get going on that. See, I wanted to ask him, but I knew he probably wouldn't have an opinion because it doesn't involve him. Because I think it's ridiculous, the potential to have Colorado, say Colorado wins this game and goes undefeated, but has one less game than SC. So SC wins the South because that game was canceled between those two and they play somebody with two losses in the North. That just seems so ridiculous to me. You're not putting your best foot forward as a conference. You keep fighting yourselves. We talk about the conference eating itself alive or whatever Mm -hmm. that phrase is as far as the football teams. Well, they get no help from the Dunkoffs in the conference (laughs) office because you could have two teams that would be undefeated moving up the rankings, and SC continues to look good and looks – that's the first game, you know, they had a nice, basically a great comeback. And then they've gotten better and better the, each week, the way I look at it. And so they're playing good ball. If Colorado wins, you can't just keep blowing this off to a crazy season. I mean, 5-0 is 5-0, and right? There's something to be Are they 3-0 or 4-0 right well, now? Well, they're 4-0 overall. They're 4-0. 3-0 in the league because they're right. the one who played the non-conference game. Yeah, so, you know, they have an opportunity there to finish undefeated in conference, but yet they're not going to play the title game. What you an- see these other conferences, or they may not be. I don't know that it'll play out that way. If they lose this week, then it's then it's moot point. obviously a moot point. Uh, but still, I wanted to ask him about that, but I figured, nah, he doesn't really care about that because his team has got a couple of losses. So there's no reason for him to be worried about that right now because it doesn't affect him whatsoever and he's thinking well forget it Colorado's not going to go undefeated anyway so why are you asking me that in the first place <laughs> because we're going to win this week you know you have to be thinking along those lines and you see these other conferences change things I just saw while we were listening to Kyle that Cincinnati is their game this week is not going to be played I sort of felt like they were going to make the play uh what Tulsa Tulsa twice. two weeks in a row yeah it just didn't because you're you're you're, you're beating yourself up and you're wrecking yeah. your chance to get to the because uh, right. they watched the BYU game and they saw that and they got to be thinking, wait a minute, if we lose a game here, Coastal Carolina is now the team. <laughs> they got to keep Cincinnati undefeated. The four-year-old neophytes yeah. got to get into And they're looking over there at the ACC going, well, they just canceled games to keep their teams in good shape. Why don't we do that? Right. So they did. 
Hey, you got any COVID issues? Uh, no. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong answer. You do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. <laughs> You've heard of multiple choice tests? This is a multiple answer test. You're going to answer until you get it right. Yeah, back when I used to work for the Daily Breeze and used to have the old uh, deal where they would literally post the paper with, uh, uh, you know, they would go back in composing and they would literally put it on a board and take a picture of it all. And it seemed like every guy, in order to have that job, you had to smoke because you'd go <laughs> back there and everybody would be smoking. And one of our guys said, yeah, I think in the hiring process they say, uh, <laughs> do, do you, you smoke? smoke? <laughs> and if they say no, they say learn. <laughs> so... Sort of like the same thing. You sort of knew that Cincinnati wasn't going to play Tulsa two weeks in a row. So therefore, and we did it with Notre Dame, right? The ACC, as you said, yep. they changed that. And, and here's the Pac-12. Just maybe uh, if it comes to it, and if Colorado should win, boy, what a rip that they wouldn't be able to get in and they have zero losses. Washington has the loss to Stanford now. But if Washington right. beats Oregon, I can't imagine they're going to tell Washington they're not in the conference title game. At this point, yeah, how do you change the rules? Because they're both undefeated, and we want to see them play. <laughs> Bottom line. But yeah. there's a thing out there that right now the North has a better record in, against the South and Interconference, and they've been the better uh, division all along. So just because the North beats itself up doesn't mean, you know, at some point, it's what you said about earlier this morning about the committee. You're going to catch heat no matter what you do. So at some point, just do it and move on. Now, it could get simpler because if Colorado loses to Utah or if USC gets upset by UCLA, then that just fixes that, right? And if Oregon beats Washington, then maybe they do. Maybe they're sitting here saying, let's not say anything because then it looks like we're changing our mind 14 times. But if Washington gets a second loss Saturday night, let's just make an announcement. And maybe they're keeping it quiet. And if they played it that way, I wouldn't blame them. You know, because they don't know for sure what's going to happen. They don't know if Oregon's going to take down Washington or if Utah or UCLA are going to pull the upset. So why start speculating? Yeah, this is a crazy conference in terms of just about any year. Then you factor in this year, and it gets even crazier. Yeah. Trying to pick uh, what's going to happen from week to week. We really don't have any idea. I know the thought was that there were going to be all these uh, crossover games week seven, but now that so many games have been missed inside the division, don't you think they go back and pick some of those up? You know, the youth could play Arizona or ASU or UCLA. I'd be fine. I'd pretty much be – as long as you have a game, I'd be fine either way. I don't know that it really, really matters to me that much. But sure, if you want to go in that direction, I'm totally fine with that. Go ahead, have at it. If you want to play uh, any of those three, uh, sure, great. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80. The Zone, more to come. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. It was obvious to anybody who watched that game, and it was equally surprising. The Cougars couldn't control the trenches. They couldn't control the line of scrimmage, either on offense or defense. That was really surprising to me. I thought BYU would be able to be dominant in that regard, and the Cougars weren't. Football is a simple game. If you can't stop the run, you're in real trouble. Coastal Carolina was definitely the tougher team, and BYU didn't respond to the toughness. As a result, couldn't get Coastal off the field and didn't give Zach Wilson enough opportunities to win the game. With that said, it came down to a yard. BYU did have some success, but not nearly consistent enough to get that win. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Soaring Networks is home to Complete Business Telecom and IT Solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at soaringanetworks.net. Just listen to Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, his uh, last media availability before the game with Colorado on Friday night. No 27 carries. Too many touches for the freshman. So the question is, is Jordan Wilmore back? Can he take about 10 carries a game there? Or maybe in short yardage situations? I guess that's another direction to go right there. Um, you know, third and one, second and one. Uh, Ty Jordan wasn't able to pick it up. And do you go in a different direction there on the short yardage situation? Uh, they've struggled in short yardage situations. I mean, that's been ridiculous cannot have that they, they've had some problems the last few years in that yep. situation which is really bizarre when you've got running backs running for well over 100 yards uh, but nevertheless that's been a problem for them they've got to get, I think it's almost like it's mental in a sense in a sport that should be mostly physical this thing is mental I mean Brumfield is a big enough dude I would suspect that he would he's be the short yardage guy, guy. yeah uh, to, to get them that I, I I think I really want them to win this week <laughs> why Why more than any other week? That doesn't make any sense. Because I'm not ready to pronounce and proclaim Colorado as legitimate. Oh, so it's not so much the Utes. You need Colorado taken down a peg. Yeah. I, they're like, uh, of all the teams, they're the last team I want to see win the South. Well, when even you... ahead of Arizona. Oh, wow. What? Well, because at least with Arizona, you you know that it's a fluke. And <laughs> They'll go right back to last place. If it were to happen, the coach would leave. <laughs> but you're so, afraid Colorado might get on a run like they did in the 90s. Yeah, and Colorado doesn't belong in our conference. Get the hell out of our conference. <laughs> uh, I mean, you said, Arizona is a member. Geez, tell us how you really feel. Send Colorado, there. send Colorado back to the Big 12, yeah. make a spot for BYU. Then you got sixteen or 12 teams in six nice, neat rivalry pairs. Mostly, in, well, California's got the four teams, but mostly it's two teams from every state. And Northern and Southern California are well, it's big men- enough, yeah. mentally they're their own states anyway. <laughs> and what's cool about that is both of those uh, situations are in their own cities, basically, not literally, but basically. Metropolitan area, right. In yeah. the case of uh, the Bruins and the Trojans, yes, it is the exact same city. Uh, but, you know, we know it's a little bit different there in the Bay Area, but it's all the same, same same media market, uh, th- which isn't always the case. Uh, you, you do have it in, in the Oregon's, uh, not so much in Washington, and not as much in Arizona because Tucson is its own separate. They have their own TV stations and whatnot. But it's close enough. Uh, so, yeah, I just have a problem with Colorado being in the conference. Well, I think more I, to stick more to, the, to this year and the schedule they've played, whether you look at the teams that have the best records this year or the teams that have been the best teams over the last you know, two to three years, well, it's been Oregon and Washington in the north, and they haven't played them. And it's been USC and Utah in the south, and they haven't played them. So, to that degree, maybe they are a quote-unquote fraud waiting to be discovered. Because they've gotten to the top, but they haven't had to play either the top teams this year or the teams that have been the top teams over the last couple of years. 
No, that's true. But as I watch them, this quarterback looks really good. The running back looks really good. So I can't really see. I would. Gonna, I would say the quarterback, ahead. the the running back looks very good. The quarterback looks okay. I wouldn't put them both on the same tier. I'd probably upgrade the running back and downgrade the quarterback play. He's been good enough. Obviously, I, I can't he's, argue that he a, has been good he's enough. A great, it's a great story, and I love guys who are counted out. And but if you comebacks. have his, but but none of it. I mean, you're, there's nothing about well. If you're going to grade him on wins, great. But if you grade him on anything else, if you're throwing for less than 200 yards a game, nobody's drooling over you. If your completion percentage is in the low 60s, that's a little on the low side. If your touchdown-interception ratio is even, four touchdowns, four picks, that's not good enough. So I, I have yeah, a hard time that's pumping him up. That's not what a quarterback up. is. A quarterback yeah. isn't Winning. stats. It's leadership. It's getting guys to play hard for you and believing in you when you get in the huddle. That is so you. Broussard is, Broussard is crushing it, but the passing game is adequate. Because he's crushing it. Why would you need a passing game that is what Mike Leach would throw out there? And that's that would where, be ridiculous. And Nobody has that. And that's where, if you want to say the yards aren't a big deal, okay, but the interceptions are a big deal, and so is the completion percentage. You don't have to throw it a lot, but too many of them are hitting the ground. Give me a guy who's going to run through a wall and everyone's going to follow him. Give me somebody with heart, a guy who played defense, who overcame. I don't give a crap what the stats are. Oh, my gosh. Come a little closer so I can smack you in the back of the head. Yuck, we're getting, we're getting Riley tomorrow, right? Because we're going to talk to him about warm bodies that can complete 62% of their passes and throw as many interceptions as touchdowns. And we're going to talk about leaders. Freaking Taysom Hill wasn't Mr. Throw the Ball Around. He still isn't. And he's 3-0. and And you look at those guys, the way they play with Taysom and the way Sean Payton is all over it and they're excited every time Taysom is out there. That's what I want in my quarterback. I want somebody who's a leader of men, not somebody who's a stat bleep. Oh, my gosh. Y'all go to break so I can regroup before I get myself in trouble. Send us out, DJ. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.